Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about when prospecting builds authority. Prospecting, huh, Jonathan? You don't always think about that when you're building an authority business. It's beneath us as authorities. I know. I I was thinking about that. We never talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ideally with uh, an authority-based business, you're putting great content out there or mm, developing a thought leadership position for yourself. So you're naturally going to attract audience and potentially prospects and clients in that audience. But you don't start out that way. You start out working your way up to it. And there can be different situations where you might want to accelerate the process of that sort of long game of dripping out good content or valuable content on a daily or weekly basis. And uh, Rochelle sent out an email recently. And I thought, this is a great idea for uh, a Business of Authority episode because it's something we really, uh, I, I don't think we've ever talked about. No, we haven't. Oh, we've skirted around it in terms of making contacts, but you know, I, I like to think when when I say prospecting to a consultant, usually like a shiver goes down their spine. <laughs> Ew, yuck! <laughs> no, telemarketing, <laughs> spammers. Yeah, yeah. Dear listener, you know us. We're not spammers, and we are. Well, I did do telemarketing in college. Shame on me. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, I had to eat on the weekends, so. Uh, This is uh, not gross, so stay tuned. Don't tune out. There's a really nice, helpful, generous way that you can do this sort of thing. And we specifically use the word prospecting to kind of go needle off the record. (laughs) Uh, But really, it it just amounts to starting conversations with people who you believe your message can help or would maybe be ideal clients. Again, someone that you could help or you're uniquely suited to help, those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when, when you first start in, in consulting in particular, you go out on your own, you've left corporate or a consulting firm, you need to start building contacts and relationships. And so prospecting is a natural part of what you expect to do typically when you start your own business. And I found in my own experience that people do a lot of it up front. I mean, you're having coffee with people. You you like reach out to people on Twitter and say, can we have a real conversation? And you're in that mode because you know that if you don't do this right, you know, if you don't get clients, you're going back to that corporate job. Yeah. The, the fear factor is really high right at that point because you do not want to go crawling back. Oh, exactly. It's the same even with like um, sort of a... a I don't want to say low level freelancer, but someone who is really young, really just starting out has a you know basic like WordPress skills or something. And they're not like a gray haired sage on stage type of person. They'll still do this thing where they say, hey, everybody, you know, I quit my job. If anybody, you know, going out on my own, take this job and shove it, boss and all that stuff. <laughs> they, they send that message out and they do it directly. They, they'll do it in an email to their friends, family, colleagues. They'll say it on Twitter. They'll put it on LinkedIn why not, not that you have to do it infinitely, but why not put that message out there on a regular basis? It's not hard and it's not, as long as you're doing it in a way that's not pushy or desperate, then I think it can be, It's. I know it can be really powerful. It's really useful. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the reasons you know it's powerful is because what happens is people get busy, right? You leave the, the big job, you go out on your own, you do all this prospecting, and then you get busy. And guess what? You stop prospecting. Yep. You stop doing any kind of marketing. One of two things happens. You either kind of get into a groove 
and you get enough work to do. And so you're, you're happy until we sort of get to the hamster wheel, which we can talk about in a minute. Or the other thing that happens is that you do a whole bunch of work. You're super, super busy. And then boom, there's nothing. <laughs> and you're like, Oh it's no. I, yeah. I better go call some more people. And you do that. And depending on the kind of work you do, you might you know, do the kind of work where you can get work pretty quickly. But if you have long lead time style projects, then you're going to be sitting there on on the bench for three months, six months, maybe even longer waiting for that next project. Right. Yeah. Getting increasingly desperate. And so your messaging and all of your communications are increasingly desperate. And then when you get on a sales call, you'll do anything to land the job just so you can be like, validate your existence. Like, oh, what I do is still valuable. And then you, it just gets into that, that, hamster wheel, like you said, it's this feast famine cycle. I won't go on to like how hourly exacerbates this, but it does. (laughs) It does. So, so, okay. So uh, you talked in the email about three different pivots. What are those? Right. Well, so the first pivot is what we were just talking about, which is when you kind of, you use prospecting for a very specific purpose to get busy. And then you get busy and you stop. Well, and not everybody stops. I mean, some people kind of keep doing it. But then you get to one of those two points, right? One is the work drops off. So you have to you know, do something again, which is usually prospecting if, if you haven't built the sort of a base to start building expertise and authority. And then the other is that you go, oh, okay, I've gotten pretty busy. So you're firmly positioned in a niche of sorts. It might not be a really tight niche, but you've got really a too small audience to keep growing organically. So you get that. I, I think of it as being kind of stuck. It's like you, you've, you've got a niche. Okay. So you've got this idea of where you want to go. You start messaging, you start maybe writing, maybe you're doing an email series or some blog posts, but it's slow growth. Yeah. You plateau. Yeah. Well, not even plateau. It's, I mean, you reach out to the people you know, and you get 20 people on your list. And then eventually you get another one, (laughs) and then another one. (laughs) And meanwhile, you're working really hard writing this stuff. And, you know, it kind of feels like beating your head against the wall. And that's where prospecting, the way we're talking about it, can really come in and help. I mean, think about it. If you're you're sitting back, I just I, I always picture this because it's a terrible place to be mindset-wise. You're sitting back, you're working, you got, you got a lot of gumption, you got a lot of energy going, you're working on these topics, you're writing stuff, and your stuff is probably pretty good, right? Even in the early days, you've got these ideas and you're you're playing with them and nobody's seeing them. And so you go into this kind of funk. And I'm not talking about the spiral that can happen too, but just this funk, like, I don't get it. This is really good. People aren't reading this. What am I doing wrong? It's not working. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you're not doing anything wrong. The stuff is good and it's building, but it's just not going fast enough for you, right? And to me, that's when prospecting is the perfect play because you have to start listening to people and engaging with people and they'll tell you what they like about your stuff. They're not always quick to say what they don't like, but they'll certainly tell you what they do. You'll get some, some cues and clues. Yeah. Perhaps read between the lines on what's not working by what they didn't mention. (laughs) Exactly. It's like people are nice. Yeah. It's like back in the day when I was in a rock band, you get off stage and the band coming on after you would say like, interesting set. 
<laughs> yeah. Interesting is almost never a compliment in, right. that, in that setting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Do you want to keep, you want to go to the third one and then we can kind of talk about the how to's or do you want to go deeper into this sort of number two one where you're positioned, but your audience isn't growing as fast as you want it organically? Well, I mean, I think we can come back to it. I like to think of these different points as kind of pivot points that people can think about, but, but the skills that you use to prospect are the same, no matter what the pivot point, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, I agree. So, so the third one is where you've changed your message or you're targeting a different audience or you're shifting your niche where, you know, typically what you're doing is you're making your niche smaller and more targeted. So you need to speak to a different audience. And to do that, prospecting will really help you leverage that because you're, you're touching the key people that you need to talk about with this shift. And you've got a way to really get your message out there in a high touch way quickly. And sometimes that's all it is. It's you just need to get the message out. You've got this audience already, but you need certain pivotal people to to hop onto your bandwagon and and help you out in terms of getting your big idea out there. Mm-hmm. What can people do when they're when they're at one of these points? They've either changed their message or their organic growth is just feels way too slow, or you're just starting out in the first place, and you really want to get some traction right away. Got to get some points on the board. What do you recommend to people for techniques? Well, there's there's a couple. And one is you can talk to the people you already know who, you, especially in the third pivot where you're, you're changing your message, but talk to people you already know who are in that sweet spot of audience that you're looking for and start there, especially if prospecting feels like this big, scary thing to you. It's nice to do it with people you already know. So you're going to get a receptive audience. You know, they're not going to slam the phone down. You know, they'll agree to have a call with you. Um, so you can start there. But then pretty quickly, I, I like two things for this. I like LinkedIn and I like Twitter. And I like LinkedIn because you can, if you really know who you're targeting, you can use the sales navigator to find them. And that'll, I mean, I think it's 70 or 80 bucks a month, something like that. But it's an easy tool to find the people that you want. And because LinkedIn will show you how you're connected to people, you can kind of create a map of who you want to talk to and how to get to them. And it's, it's not hard. It's really easy. Yeah. And let me just press pause to reiterate something that, that I feel like we may be going to have to keep on saying. When when you're doing this, you're not connecting with these people and pasting in three paragraphs of pitch, like, hey, hire me right now. It's not that at all. Another word for this that I hear used regularly um, instead of prospecting is just outreach. So you're reaching out to people. I think prospecting is a little bit more like people who could potentially be clients or potentially hire you outreach could be is more to me as a broader applicability so you could do outreach to influencers or people who you want to link back to your website for seo purposes or partners you know joint venture partners let's do a webinar together and we can sell each other stuff and there's all sorts of reasons to do outreach i think prospecting is a little bit more specific but it's the same kind of thing where what you're trying to do is connect with another person and have a conversation where you can kind of start to build a relationship. And to me, it's like, it's, it's more market research than anything. 
connect with someone and say like, hey, you know, maybe I'm changing my message from this to that. And you're getting feedback from someone who would be in the audience that you're trying to reach. And you're finding out that, that you know, at least with this one person, the message is not clear. It's not landing. It's not being communicated to the other person. I just wanted to like jump in and be like, look, you're not, you're not like one of those horrible LinkedIn people who just goes around in sales navigator and pastes in three paragraphs of like, Hey, do you want to hire me? Hey, here are three links to, to case studies that I did. And like, Oh, I'll give you a great discount. If you mention this coupon code, mm-hmm. you know? here's my it, webinar next Tuesday, right? It should be like one line, like, Hey, thanks for connecting. Or I saw on your profile that you have this inter- thing of interest to me. I'd love to ask you a question about that. It, it really shouldn't, it shouldn't like if you're pasting in there, it's probably not It's probably if you're pasting into the, uh, into a DM on, in LinkedIn, it's probably not a good sign. You should be able to just type a quick thing. Yeah. And I, I just want to touch on the word outreach because I have a little problem with it in this context because, uh, outreach, what I found when I try using that word with people doesn't have the same accountability as prospecting. Outreach, if there's nothing wrong with it, I mean, this is really is what we're talking about, but there's still this focus on out versus the prospecting idea is that it's back and forth and there's an accountability to you as the initiator, not to close a deal, not at all, but there's an accountability to you to follow up. It's a process, right? With a beginning and a middle and, and the end is, is a loop. I mean, some people will drop out because they're just not good fits for you, but there's a loop there. And these are the people who, you know, if you start doing this when you first leave a big organization to start consulting and you do this for 10 years, 15 years, these are people who are going to wind up 15 years from now buying your book, right? Or maybe taking a course or telling somebody about you and referring work to you. So it's, I just want to get that outreach is fine if you want to call it that, but attach the accountability to the process that it's not just this casual, Oh, I'll just sprinkle this out on the waters. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's more. Yep. <laughs> Did I lose you, Jonathan? No, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't do outreach like that anyway. So it's, I know you wouldn't, but because uh, the, the word sometimes the word. is what, yeah, is what captures people. Yeah. Yeah. So another way to look at this, we have talked about before, you know, help someone every day. It, you could look at it like that too. It's like, these are, these are, friends you haven't met yet, potentially. So, you know, that's a, a, actually, now that I say it out loud, it's kind of a Seth Godin thing. It's like turning strangers into friends and friends into customers. And, you know, you got to You're just taking the first step. So, you know, if you were at a cocktail party and maybe you're not the most outgoing and not going up to people and just introducing yourself, I know I'm not like that. Uh, I tend not to be that way. It can be a little bit like, uh, I don't really want to take the first step. I don't want to appear spammy or, I don't want the other person to think, what does this person want? Why are they bothering me? And <laughs> Boy, are you cynical? <laughs> no, believe me. I, like, I know tons of people that feel this way about randomly reaching out. It's mostly developers because developers despise recruiters. And because on LinkedIn, rec- mm. a lot of recruiters are, I mean, I have nothing against recruiters at all. I, they're trying to bring opportunities to me. So I like that. But uh, they do have a tendency to perhaps not read your profile first or say, Hey, you know, I noticed that uh, you have Java in your profile and really it's JavaScript. So they, they're kind of, they can be clueless at times. And I know a lot of software developers, for some reason, they feel like it's really spammy. They get really irritated by it for some reason. 
and don't want to be the same way. And so I say to him, don't be the same way. It doesn't mean you can't. (laughs) Okay, don't be like that. Don't shotgun generic requests across the entire, you know, LinkedIn user base. Do something meaningful and specific and that doesn't scale. That's another another way to think about it is like, you know, people will be like, oh, but that doesn't scale. It's like, no kidding. That's why it's That's good. That's the idea. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. to get started. It's to start developing new relationships and new contacts. And so I so if I sound cynical, it's me echoing what I know many software developers are probably thinking. It's like, uh it's like prospecting, that's what recruiters do. Yuck. It doesn't have to be like that. Well, I was thinking the mindset of um, of your your first story about you know like coming into a cocktail party and you know going up to people and I always think in my head, well, somebody here is going to want to talk to me because I ask a lot of really good questions and I'm interested in a lot of things, so somebody's going to want to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I always go up to the people who are by themselves at a party like that because it's much more comfortable than to go up to somebody who's like really outgoing and doing all this crazy stuff with lampshades on their head. But <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's part of this is a mindset that that you have something of value that other oh, yeah, people that's, that's would big. yeah would appreciate sharing whether that's at a cocktail party, whether it's in LinkedIn, you know, whether it's your website, is you've got something. The way I look at it for myself is sometimes the something is just that I'm a good listener. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes you don't want to talk to somebody who just wants to talk (laughs) for 30 minutes. But the fact that you listen and that you have or that you have opinions on things makes you interesting. And so people will find you interesting. I guarantee if you're listening to this, you have some expertise, you've got some insights, people will find you interesting. Ooh. Yeah, and there's a flip side to it too, which I believe that virtually every person is all is. In, I think everyone's interesting if you ask the right question. So yeah, so it's funny because I'll have because it's uh, it's pretty common for me to go through this exercise when we're working out a niche position for a student, and I'll be like, all right, well, if you think this would be a great target market, then let's start connecting with those people on LinkedIn and and just start some conversations with them. No agenda, just validating a target market, and. Like, well, what should I what should I ask them about? I'm like, well, look at their profile and find something interesting they did. I guarantee you it's something there is interesting. But I do think it takes a the trick, if there's a trick to it, is it's almost like you know, you know you're doing this for business reasons. Like that's that's sort of predicated on that, but at the same time, you have to have no agenda. It's almost like you literally have to have no agenda. Yeah. Yeah. It's if you have to be interested. Right. You have to be interested. And if you're not interested, don't do it. Like if you look at somebody's profile and you're like, well, that might be interesting, but I don't care about that. I don't want to talk about lawn maintenance. I mean, whatever it is, then move on to the next one. There's an almost infinitesimal number of people that you could talk to. So find the ones that that look interesting to you where you just if, if all you did in the time you talk to them is just listen to them, that it would be interesting. Yeah. So when I, when I, just to get a little bit tactical, when I will reach out to people on LinkedIn, it's a lot of times it is for market research purposes, or I made a new thing and I want to get feedback on it. I'm not asking for money at all. I'll say, I'll find people who I think might benefit from it someday. 
and say, hey, you know, just connect, no message. And then they, if they accept, then I'm like, hey, thanks for connecting. And then like time goes by, you know, I'm not like pummeling them with information. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe then a couple of days later, I'll be like, hey, I made this thing. I'd love to get some feedback on it. Or I'll say something like, I've got a question for someone who is just like you or someone who, you know, insert has job title. Can I ask you a question? I'd really value your expertise. Just to ask to ask a question and actually say, I would really value feedback from an expert like yourself. And you do and that as, as an email and their response is an email? I do, I do it on LinkedIn. No, no, but I mean, versus talking to them on the phone. I'm not a phone you're doing person. It electro- you're doing it electronically. Yeah, I'm not point. a phone person. Yes, it's electronic. Okay. Yeah, it could okay. be email. It could be email, but almost always I would do it on LinkedIn or Twitter. Yeah, yeah. It's easier on LinkedIn because you know it gets delivered. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even that great with my own email. So it's, uh, <laughs> I know I know a lot of people are fine with email, but I prefer to do it in sort of this real-time way. So then, I, you know, they may pop up and have like more of a conversation instead of this protracted email thread. But that's just the way I do it. You could just easily do it on the phone or email or some other way, whatever. No, no but what I, I like, what I like about what you just said is it's great for somebody who's a little bit more tentative because an email is a lot easier and it's a low level ask. Asking somebody to get on the phone with you is challenging because they're always worried they're not going to get you off. Yeah, it's going to be a pushy, salesy, something. There's like that risk of like, there's this social contract of like not hanging up on someone. So then you're kind of trapped. And yeah, I agree. So I like the asynchronous nature of the other channels that we just brought up when they get to it. And if I send out six of these, let's say, find six people that would be perfect to give me feedback on this particular thing, then I just sort of send out the connection requests. And then when someone connects, then I'll just say thanks for connecting and move on and, you know, sort of go in this round robin thing. So it's not real pushy. It takes, I usually spread it out over a couple of days anyway. So it's not like feeling aggressive. I'm, I'm super chill about all this stuff, but it's, but you just do a tiny little thing and it's, it's, and keep you, doing it. Yeah. And keep doing it. Right. It's like the sort of the, the drip approach instead of the flood, like, Oh no, I've got no work. Just like flood the market with like, anybody need thing that I do? Oh, and that you know that the vibe you're giving out is just, if it's not desperation, it's at least worry. And, you know, we don't want to hire somebody who's worried. One of the things that, tactically speaking, that I do is I have a sequence that I run people through when they sign up on my on my email for the, the weekly posts. And at the towards the end of that sequence, I invite them to schedule a call with me and I give them a link to my calendar. And, you know, I wouldn't say a huge percentage of people do it, but a minority percentage does it. And what's fascinating is when we get on that call, a lot of times I think they feel like I'm going to try to sell them something. And so we get on the call and I'll say, listen, you know, you've been reading my stuff for 90 days, whatever it is, you know, everything you need to know about me. I want to know about you. Tell me what you're doing. And they'll start to tell me about their business. They'll ask me questions. And, you know, it's usually about a half hour call. And at the end of that half hour, I have to say, I feel great because instead of just sending stuff out to these, not nameless, but faceless people, now I have somebody who I know what they're interested in. I know what they care about. I kind of know what they're thinking. If I want to, I could send them something and say, what do you think about this? Because now I know what they care about. So it's the start of, well, maybe not the start of, it's, 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 
accelerating this relationship that starts with email. Exactly. Yeah, I would put it exactly like that. It's accelerating it. So yeah. And one of the one of the things that I think is a nice side effect of that, which is a cool idea. I've never tried that, but that is a cool idea. So if, if you're in sort of, I think the second pivot where you're putting stuff out, you're committed to it, but you're just not getting organic growth. You're not getting much feedback on it. You're like, tap, tap, tap. Is this thing on? <laughs> you're not getting any feedback. It can start to feel like you're just shouting into the void and you're wasting your time, which probably isn't the case. You're probably not wasting your time, but uh, not getting enough feedback is really demoralizing. Yeah. So they can, it can lead you to stopping. So I get, I'm super happy that my list is really engaged and I get lots of email back that reassures me that I should keep doing it. You know, people are like, oh, I can't, this came at the perfect time. I can't believe it. You know, stuff like that. Yes. And I love it, those it's just messages. Every day. Yeah. It, like every, every once in a while you're going to get somebody unsubscribe or you're going to get like, I can't, you know, could you stop sending every day? Like I like these, but every day, seriously, <laughs> you get those, you know, maybe once or twice a year, but almost every day of the week, I get at least one message. It's like, you know, thank you so much for sending this. And if, if you're, and, and that just totally keeps you going. And if you're not getting that, but you've started to commit to, you know, you're still in that maybe first 90 days cycle where you're emailing every day or you're blogging every day, or you're tweeting every day and you're just not getting any, not getting any traction, not getting any feedback, it can really make it hard to keep going. It's like a force of will to keep going. Uh, so it's like it's like a diet, you know. It's oh, it's yeah. like that. It's just you've got to see the scale move. Right. So so you know, accelerating that feedback or having conversations, inviting people into conversations, and and kind of asking them questions and sort of getting feedback about in this case, your list, you know, how does it, oh yeah, yeah, I love it. It's great. I, I read it every day or whatever. You're like, oh, you kind of emailed me that. I don't know, feel a lot better. You could know? <laughs> have let me know. I uh, know people don't think about it when they email. Yeah. I know. You know, it's when you're reading these things and if you, if you don't feel like you have a personal relationship with the person sending them, it never occurs to them to say, oh, wow, good job. Right. Right. Yeah. Like I said, this it's sort of a side effect where if you're if you are starting a conversation with someone, whether it's on the phone like you just described, or you directly email someone on your list and you say, "Hey, I notice you've been on the list for thirty days now. What do you think? You know, is it, do you read it? Do you, have you been reading them? Do you just keep them in a folder and binge read them, or like what? You know, what's going on in your business? How what, is there anything I can do to help? You know, all those things. And if you haven't been getting any feedback and you just sort of like shake the tree a little bit to get some feedback, then uh, it, it can be a super encouraging and perhaps start conversations like we're sort of talking about here. Yeah. And the other thing is I've had conversations with people who've given me critical feedback and it's so funny because most of the people that do that are so nice. They're like, Rochelle, I don't know if you notice this, then maybe I'm the only one. And you know, like, there's all this. And then they'll tell me whatever it is. And some of those people have actually, one in particular became a client, which I thought was hysterical. But yeah, it's the, those things are really interesting. And you can use those as a point to connect. I'm not saying if somebody is trolling you that you should try to be nice to that person and bring them over to your side. But we're talking about people who have a, you know, they have a legitimate critique of something or they, they're asking a question in a way where they totally disagree with you. Those are people you can develop relationships with too. Yeah, absolutely. I can, and it is funny. You do get those two camps, like the people who just like feel it's, 
they're entitled to basically tell you how to run your business. You know, like you shouldn't email every day. It's like, I'm, I'm, you just don't get the joke. Maybe there's a better list for you somewhere out there, but it's probably not mine. But there are other people, like you said, who give really thoughtful, polite feedback that makes what you do better. You're like, ah, I never thought of that. Or that's a great idea. Or I never saw it from that view. Like I have people in the pricing seminar that enough people over time were like, we would really love these video lessons also as audio. And I'm like, yeah, but there's stuff that you have to see. And they're like, yeah, but still most of the stuff you don't have to see, it would be really great. And and eventually I gave in and, and did it. And I was like, oh, that really wasn't that hard. It was pretty easy, in <laughs> fact. And, and people love it. And it was not my idea. It was, in fact, I was against the idea. Uh, I felt like, ah, oh, that's just another thing. And people are just going to listen to that. And they're not going to watch the videos later. But now they're like, no, we're like watching and listening to these things repeatedly. So having them in a podcast format, we can do it while we're driving or walking the dog or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, good mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Especially because you've trained your audience to love podcasts. <laughs> I suppose you know, that's true. Yeah. They're probably especially attuned to having audio. Yeah. I suppose that's true. Yeah. A lot of people sort of came into my list from a podcast with this one or ones that I guessed on. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It, like I, I automatically, I'm going to have a lot of people who are into podcasts. Never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, I think most people are into them now anyway, but you in particular, I think your audience would skew audio. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what are some other, like if someone was going to, they know they're in this situation for whatever reason, they feel like they want to accelerate their, whatever you want to call it, audience growth, pipeline, all whatever the thing is, they just feel like things are moving too slowly or um, they're nervous about some transition, whether it's from, from employed to solo or from old positioning statement to new positioning statement or niche or something other than reaching out one-on-one to people over email, LinkedIn, phone, what other sorts of things have you had people do? Well, there are things you can do in social media that are more of a, uh, I can't think of the word, where you're you're announcing something. So you might say like on Twitter, if you've got, you know, a, a core following in Twitter, you might say really looking for some feedback on X. And so you ask them and, and they don't have to give you the feedback there. They maybe do it privately, whether that's in a direct message, email, a phone call, whatever that is. So you can certainly do a call to action that way. I think part of this is, and I, I learned this so many years ago from my one of the my early mentors in the idea of selling in consultative relationships. And his thing was that I mean, he had a relationship with almost everybody he met. If somebody wasn't the right fit, he would just like calmly not ignore them, but just not go out of his way to help them. But if they asked him for something, he would do it. And he would just think of each of those people. He would keep notes on them, not like their favorite flower, not like that, but their, their, like their spouse's name. If he talked to them about their kids, their favorite hobby, just like a very few notes, but he had those over the course of his career and hundreds of people. Now he was heavily focused in a geographic area in a particular industry, but you could really do the same thing. Everybody we're talking to, you've, you've got an audience of some sort, you're serving a specific audience. So when you start to think about it that way and you you know, you assemble information so that you have it. It's, I'm telling you, sometimes all you have to do, if, and if you have a spreadsheet or something like that, but all you have to do is look through that list 
and it's going to tell you who to reach out to. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're describing a CRM, well, <laughs> basically. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be as fancy as that, but yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, I, you know, it's challenging with social media because you have stuff in LinkedIn, but you can't really put your notes in LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So it's, you have to kind of figure out a way to put all that together without, if you're a solo, you probably don't need to invest in a classic CRM. Um, but you want a way to kind of keep those notes fresh. And so one of the things I do is I have, I have a couple of different lists, but one of them is something I do with clients when they're getting ready to do a book launch, which is who are the hundred people, you know, who are going to help you spread the word. So it's keeping that list of, of maybe not everybody you've ever talked to, but the ones where you feel a high resonance is put those names somewhere so that you can go and get them when you need them later. And and when I say when you need them, it might just be that you need some momentum and you need to have an email conversation with somebody um, or you need to have a phone call because you just need their viewpoint or they know somebody that you want to know and you're going to do an ask. Yep. Everything you just mentioned, immediately I'm like, yep, I remember a time I did that. Remember a time I did that. Remember a time I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you see somebody that a friend of mine was a guest on a podcast I'd like to be on. It's like, hey, you know, do you think I'd be a good fit for that podcast? Could you introduce me to the host or vice versa? The host has interviewed somebody that we'd like to interview. And it's like, hey, do you think they'd be a good fit for our show? It's like, that's a, that's a, a classic one for me to, to do like ask for an intro type of thing. This is like that sort of podcast guest host back and forth thing. Um, oh, you did a great job in getting James Clare on. I don't know if you remember because it was so early on, but I mean, you did some chasing on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, he was busy. <laughs> yeah, really busy with his, his new book. But Yep, and we had met in real life, so it was I had a sort of a leg up on that because we were both speaking at the same conference in, geez, I think it was 2015. But yeah, he's, he's a great guy anyway, but it's a slow, polite, reminder you know like tickler file like oh i should i should get back to you know james or whoever it's it's been a month they said to get back to in touch with them maybe in a month they'd be free does that sort of thing um but i've done the same thing with conferences where it's like oh here's this conference i'd like to speak at do i know anybody who has spoken at it in the past and oh what do you know i do and reach out to them hey are you still in touch with the organizers could you put in a good word are they looking for people are you going to do it again this year? Oh, you're not. Maybe you could suggest me as a replacement, things like that. It's really networking 101, but somebody wrote a book, I can't remember who, and it was quite a while ago, where they coined networlding, W-O-R-L-D-I-N-G. And I love the concept. I'm, I may not get it exactly right, a paraphrase, but the idea was that it's just about networking with people that you resonate with highly. And so you're building a better world, a bigger world, but it's not this casual, let me shake your hand and hand you my business card, chamber of commerce style meeting. You know, this is, <laughs> this is about you're advancing each other. It isn't, right. it isn't, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. You're helping each other. And that's what I think of as I hear what you're talking about, because those people that you're doing that with are going to call or email you and ask you for those kinds of things. And you'll do that, them that favor as well. It's right. mutual. Yeah. Sort of a professional courtesy thing. It's mutual. There's your, it's, there's not an agenda. It's almost like there's this just 
it's like a pay it forward karma thing where you're like, mm-hmm. ah, when I do this, I'm not thinking, ha, ah, now they owe me. Yeah, I definitely don't think like no, that. But no. reciprocity does build up and eventually people are like, oh, I, whether it's your top of mind or they feel like doing a favor back or whatever it is, it just turns into this, it turns into a network of people helping each other and like, what's bad about that? Yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that giver philosophy we talked about. We did an episode about, I wonder if it was the same mentor, because you talked about someone in the past who, you know, would wake up and like... It, that, uh, it probably was. That yeah. Gary is his first name, Gary. Yeah, that sounds sounds like that's who I was thinking about. Yeah, it's like, who can I help today? Wake up in the morning, find three people on the list and like send them a useful article or check in to see if, you know, whatever, their dog recovered yeah. or whatever he, it is. He was amazing. The most, ama- I shouldn't say was, is amazing. The most amazing person at that I've ever met. Right. Yeah, it's good. And and the, I mean, in case it wasn't obvious, this is something that you don't want to, you, you don't want to put this off until you're in a bad way. It's the kind of thing where you're like, all right, things are slowed down or I'm making a big shift or you've got one of these pivots. It would be great if you had, sort of been keeping these relationships you know i'm not talking about having people over every friday for game night obviously <laughs> but just sending them a sending them a, a note say hey i saw this article i thought of you mm-hmm. you probably saw it but you might have missed it or great job on the you know on the malcolm gladwell interview that was amazing you did a great job or today's email was fabulous mm-hmm. i you know here was here's why i liked it or this is what it meant to me like whatever the thing is i mean that's how i got started talking with seth godin as a matter of fact I reply, can you believe he replies to his email? I, I still kind of can't get over that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, right? I mean, he must have a million people on his list. And mm-hmm. he doesn't reply to everyone, but he does. He like does. So he replies to a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So anyway, can you think of any rules of the road that we haven't covered already? Or what? Any surprises that maybe you've been coaching people through, you know, oh, no, you really, you really should be reaching out and connecting with people on LinkedIn or something like that. Are you going to go through a, a campaign where you're trying to get the messaging right for a new product or something like that? I guess it depends on, on what your goal is in talking with people. I, I think that it's a little bit like a muscle is that you've got to exercise it to keep it healthy. And so if people aren't doing it now, then just try a little bit. And and when I say it, I mean, if, if you're not in that point, if you're not in one of those pivot points, which is the best time to do it, actually, because there's, there's nothing to lose, and just try a little bit. Reach out to somebody. I like your suggestion, Jonathan, about looking at, at what's on their LinkedIn and finding something interesting as a connection point. And I love emails. Uh, uh, I say emails, but um, LinkedIn messages from people like that. They'll say, you know, I saw this or, oh, I heard your podcast. Love it. I'd like to connect with you here. That kind of stuff. It's just, that's all you have to do is to start that. And if you think about your objective is, let's call it two objectives. One is finding people that you resonate with. So they're, they're somewhat in your sweet spot, if not exactly in there, but you resonate with them for whatever reason. There's something about them that you think is, is interesting and worthy. And then the other thing is, the other goal is helping them. So if, if what you, if all you do, whether it's an email or a conversation is figure out what they value, that's a good use of your time. You've just figured somebody out, right? And, and if that 
they still resonate with you, then they go on the list, right? And if they don't, you're like, okay, well, that's, you know, I learned something from that conversation. I'm I'm not going to really bother much with that person. And so you start that and you start building that, that list of people, not to have a list, but to really start to understand more about the humans behind what you're doing, what they're interested in, what their motivations are. And eventually, obviously, you're going to ask them questions about your stuff. You're going to ask them for a favor. You're going to ask them for an introduction. And it's not a trade, but it's it's easier to ask people for things if you've already given them things. It's so much easier to do it then. Right. Yeah. I mean, really, I, I feel like the best way to think about it is just like you're taking the first step in making friends with someone yeah. that you think is interesting. Yeah. You know, like I'll sometimes I'll get, it doesn't, this does almost never happens, but someone I'll send out a connection request to somebody on LinkedIn and they'll be like, and they'll say, they'll connect, but then they'll say like, why did you connect with me? And I'll say, I just like connecting with interesting people and you look interesting, whatever the reason is, like you worked at NASA, like holy cow, or, you know, that must've been amazing. Or, um, you know, we've got this mutual friend in common and like the mutual friend is a total like character. Like, oh, how do you know Jeff? He's, (laughs) isn't he hilarious? And, uh, Earlier in the conversation, I said, yeah, I'm not really a phone guy, and I'm probably not the person that's going to strike up a conversation at a cocktail party. I'm not really extroverted. For all the talking I do, I'm not really that extroverted in in person. I'm not, like, socially awkward, but it's not, it's not my jam to, like, go, I don't know, it's just not my move. But to me, this is, like, totally fine. So maybe, maybe for you, dear listener, maybe in person is your jam and you find some way to make that work maybe it's like gary and you're you're specialized in a, a geographic area and you do go to some kind of networking maybe not explicitly networking events but meetups where maybe you start a meetup for you know like design mondays or one something like this and create like a little in person group of people you know who know it could be anything you know it's like whatever's in your comfort zone but the the main thing here is that you are taking some kind of first step to start a relationship with other people. That's the main, I think that's yeah. the key feature. Yeah. Just last Saturday, my husband and I went to a, an art opening, a gallery opening. And I say gallery, it's very low key, not super shishy. And it was fancy. Yeah, it was it was so busy. There were a line of people out the door waiting to come in and they had to meet the fire marshal requirements for the room. But it's it's a gallery that does this periodically. And so we we go a lot. And it, it was interesting because people always talk to us. And we always we have yet to go to something where somebody hasn't said something to us. And so I've started, I don't know, maybe half a dozen relationships with a very small R and they're not business relationships. I don't, I don't do business there, but it's, I mean, it's just, it's interesting. And it's, they always note something interesting that they see. And if I catch their eye, there's, there's a reason why they're looking this way. So we'll say, hi, how are you? Are you, you know, are you enjoying the art? And, and then we go off from there because we all love the, the, the city where we live. And so we talk about that and you just meet a lot of people that way. You can do this any place where you feel comfortable. Not everybody's going to feel comfortable walking around with a glass of wine in an art gallery. Um, <laughs> but you know, I've met some really interesting people that way. I'm sure. Yeah. 
And the reason they're looking over your way is because you're probably wearing a leopard skin jacket, right? <laughs> well, we were joking about this. We usually have our dog, and my husband's carrying him. Ah. He's a little dog, and my husband has very unusual hair. So I, I wish I could say it's me, but I think it's the hair and the dog. We always meet interesting people and have a good time. So uh, I think yeah. we found a show, unusual hair. That's the show title. <laughs> That's awesome. Use what you got. Mm-hmm. All right. I feel like we've gone all the way around the bend on this one. What do you think? Yeah. I, th- I, think, I think the bottom line for me that I'd like to leave people with is that prospecting isn't a dirty word. You know, the way we're describing it, it's, it's another tool in your arsenal besides sort of the classic tools of authority, which is putting out content and, and building online audiences. This is a very high touch, but potentially low-key way to accelerate the momentum that you've got in building your authority. Just don't be, don't be afraid of it. Yeah. Take the first step. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. Yeah. If you come at it without thinking like, oh, I got to get something from this person, then it's fun because then you're just like having a conversation yeah. with an interesting, interesting person who exactly. perhaps has shared uh, interests. Cool. Okay. Cool. Well, I guess that'll do it for this week then. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.